three, two, one, boom, and we're live. Welcome back to the House of Elevation podcast, back with another episode. And today we have a very special guest who clearly stands out amongst the uh, the black backdrop and the plant behind us. Um, some call him the branding king. Some, you know, some call him the podcast king. But yeah, so today we've got Tej Singh. Other some 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 of you may know him as Tej Talks, as clearly we can see. Established twenty eighteen. Well, he wasn't established twenty eighteen, but um, but yeah. So Tej is a property investor, um, brand consultant, and more importantly, an iTunes top fifteen podcaster. So um, I thought, given our platform is generally self improvement. Um, whether that's health, wealth, mental clarity, higher purpose or higher consciousness, whatever you're trying to achieve. He pretty much ticks a lot of those boxes and I thought it would be awesome to get him on. Um, a lot of similarities, mutual interests. So, Tej, pleasure to have you on, mate. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's a real pleasure to be here. I remember I watched the videos and I saw the, the two wallpapers and I was like, that's going to be me in like a week or so. So, dude, and, and these mics and I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Pleasure, man. Um, so yeah, cool. So for those who don't really know much about you, I know about you, but tell us a bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Um, let's, let's go way back. Okay, so I grew up, I'm trying to figure out where I spent more time. So I was born in West Middlesex Hospital. If anyone knows what that is, it's near Heathrow Airport. So kind of the other side of London to where we are now. And I was raised in Southall. Southall, for anyone who's listening is like the center of all Indians in like the UK, especially Punjabis. So you go there and it's all Indian people, like literally like, and it still is. And it's been like that for, well, many, many years. So I think I was raised mainly there. My parents were working. So my grandparents sort of, I guess, looked after me during the day and kind of after school. So I grew up there. Uh, I then went to school in Heston, which is kind of Hounslow again. And then did my A-levels, usual kind of thing. Went to university at King's, which is central London, kind of London Bridge. And I studied biochemistry. So I think when people meet me, they wouldn't say I'm a scientist necessarily, but I still kind of, I'm really interested in science, whether it's psychology. Of course, absolutely. I didn't want to be a doctor though. I will clarify that. I did not want to be a doctor, okay? I wouldn't mind, but five years of education, three years was too much. So I did that and I thought, right, science, what can I do? I could could have been a banker, could have been anything really. Science kind of opens you up. Uh, And then I thought, right, kind of like designing stuff. Let me do marketing. So I did what is called medical education. So it's working in pharmaceutical companies to advertise their drugs and products to doctors and nurses. So it's a bit more contrived than, you know, Neurofen on TV, but it's more scientific, which I loved. Then read a book called Bad Pharma. Have you heard of it? I have. Haven't read it yet. Okay, so read it because it will make you very angry. And it's, it's kind of an upsetting book to read because I thought, oh, pharma, great help people yeah yeah they make money but they help people and when you read about what they have done what they are kind of doing and when you work in it and you see people around you not hiding things but not seeing things you think nah this is not me i can't deal with that so left that moved for a huge pay cut got fired now this you know moment of being fired in most people's lives is oh shit i have no income I was 23, Asian family at home waiting for me to go home and tell them this, which is, you know, in a challenge in itself. But I felt free. Like I actually, like trudging home that day with all my boxes of lunch and my shoes because I kept them underneath the table because I didn't like wearing brogues. Long story. It it felt great. And I thought, you know what? This is a sign and this feeling is too good to let go. 
So I started a recruitment business, called my friend. He kind of helped me allegedly start it up. Uh, and I did that for, I think it's been three years, which is shocking to think I've been doing it for three years. I started off recruiting recruiters, then doing marketing and software developers. And now I'm kind of going back to doing recruiters. And I work from home for a long period of time. So anyone listening who is working from home or is about to, I can definitely, you know, if we get to this, share some tips on how to maximize that and for your mental health, you know, make it a lot easier because it's yeah, yeah. still a struggle. Yeah, oh, and I'm in property now. That little little th- little shift there. <laughs> a little shift. Yeah, little shift. Yeah, no, um, I pre because you said the book Big Pharma is that it's essentially exposing all of the. Yeah, what well, you know what? So it hasn't exposed the current ones. I think he wrote it like it must have been five years ago, or, or probably be- before that. So he exposed the past, right. but not the like 90s. We're talking 2005, 2010, right. but it also just shows you if they did that then yes there's more regulation now but come on every time you put a regulation in what do we do we go around it as humans so some things are still happening no i resonate with that because um similar experience for me when i left banking i read a book called the creature from jekyll island um amazing book but essentially similar to what you're talking about in pharmaceutical industry um and it exposed a lot of things that i wasn't aware of and then as at the same time getting into a lot of the other stuff completely resonate you leave and you might not have plans, you might have plans, but you just feel, I can't describe the feeling to be fair, but it's just. It's relief, isn't it? It's like, oh, I'm kind of, I wasn't even scared. Maybe I was stupid or brave or both, but I just was like, whatever, I'll make money. Because yeah. yeah. another thing I wanted to touch on with you is um, escaping rat race. Because a lot of people now, like, um, for example, I saw that well, Jay Shetty, he's huge. The reason he, he blew up initially in 2016 after being a monk for a few years is because he came back to the UK and he started speaking at various um, financial firms or firms in the city about mental health, depression, because I saw it daily around me. A lot of people struggle with it. Um, it's like you're supposed to sort of, someone said, you're essentially, you're force feeding, force shitting, force showering, force whatever every day to be at the same place. Everything's forced. And like the freedom, I, like me and you before the podcast, we're talking about, I might be in Tesco at like 2 p.m. Or I just don't know what day of the week it is. And it's just beautiful. Um, previously, Sunday nights, genuinely, I was telling you again before we recorded this, I'd sometimes genuinely suffer from insomnia Sunday nights because of how much I just didn't want to turn up on a Monday morning. And now I, did, I just don't know what day of the week it is. Every day of the week is, do not, do not say to me, happy Friday. That's the biggest insult to me. Every single day for me is a Friday. Um, Dude, I, I'm with you. You know what? For me, Friday afternoon, right, from 3 p.m. to like midnight is when I do my best work. Yeah. When the world is at peace and everyone's like they're clubbing, spending their money they just earned, that's when I do my best work. But on Jay Shetty, my friend says I sound like him. So when you listen back to this, maybe you can tell me if I do or don't. I can hear it, actually. Apparently, it's just I think it's just the posh British accent, which I don't know where I've got from. Um, I didn't grow up in a posh area. Um, but I think escaping the rat race, there's, so I'm going to caveat this. Sure. If you have a mortgage and kids and lots of liabilities and costs in life, then my attitude is not going to apply to you. So you're going to listen to me and think, oh, but you don't know about this, about that. Yeah, I don't. That's fine. If you're maybe younger, you don't have a mortgage, maybe you don't have rent, maybe you don't have an expensive car or like, you know, just things, right? You don't have all these liabilities. Then my advice is like, fuck it, leave your job, do it. And again, a small caveat is have enough savings for, I don't know, let's say three to six months, right? 
And you can live off a lot less than you think. Six months of savings is not 30 grand. It's like five grand, you know? So my advice, do it. Just do it. Life's too short. You cut back all the material bullshit, which I want to touch on ego. We'll touch on it shortly because I know obviously all the books that you read, um, we have similar interests. But if you most of the shit people buy on a day-to-day basis, you just don't need it. Um, and it's just trying to give yourself a sense of self-esteem and self-importance that it's all made up. It's all BS. I mean, Gary Vee talks about this. He's, he's like, go live in a basement with 10 people for like a year or two until you figure it out. Um, or genuinely, even if you do have, let's say, a mortgage where you've got rent to pay, it is possible when you're working in corporate to have a little side hustle. If that's flipping stuff on eBay, it's not going to be overnight. No one said it is. Um, you have to try different products, but there are so many products out there that you can genuinely have maybe two grand a month side income. And then that will essentially allow you while you're educating yourself to leave your corporate job. Um, and then, yeah, but going back on what you said about Fridays, where you you said it's like you get the most work done likewise like weekends amazing um but i just remember the sense of pain in corporate and it just still doesn't i just don't understand so people the reason people look like drink so heavily in my opinion on a friday night is as a release from the trauma um and all the misery they go through a week and I read somewhere because obviously I do my desk research before every guest comes on. Oh no, what have I said? Someone on the internet. <laughs> and obviously we'll get on it. We'll get onto it shortly. That I know. That obviously you, you do. You dance banger and you're a big performer, uh, which is no surprise. But um, but you also said that you you dance banger sober, and you usually found the dance floor sober. I know my LinkedIn profile. Yep. So you don't drink. I don't drink. So I used to. So I studied abroad in America, at Chapel Hill, North Carolina, for North Carolina, as I should say, for like a year. And when I say every day was American pie, I mean it. Like you have a British accent, you get everything. You get into clubs when you're under 21, which I never did, obviously. Um, you get literally anything, right? Every Like I was drinking, I want to say four or five days a week. I would not get hungover. I'd wake up next day ready. Like I have like IBS, right? So my stomach's a bit sensitive no I drink it boom wake up next day done right so for me and actually before that in England where it was you know where I was the right age to I didn't really drink I had drunk three times before that so I went there when I was like I don't know 20 I went there got drunk a lot it was great fun don't get me wrong would not change it ever and then I came back and then like England universities are not the same Americans are campus you see everyone you know all the time you run into it's honestly is the most it's just the best place to not study because I didn't study, right? But it's, it's a really good place socially. And so I came back, went to King's. You know, in London, there's no real campus vibe. And British people are very standoffish naturally. And Americans just say hello to everyone. So I came back and thought, do I really want to, you know, we didn't even go out that much. Because I was like, oh, I can't be bothered. Clubs here are just so, oh, you've got to pay for entry. you got to, oh, I can't be bothered. And then I just didn't drink. And then it kept going, kept going. And then I drank occasionally and I was like, hold on, now my stomach hurts and I'm paying for this and I'm living out in London. This is just not worth it. So I gave that up. Last time I drank actually was almost two years ago to this date. It was kind of like early June and my friend stag do in Barcelona and I drank. And even then I got angry the second night when I drank. I was sitting there in the club like, I don't like this club. And so now I'm like, I'm a liability sober. Like I have like no embarrassment, no shame. I don't feel awkward. I will be the first one on the dance floor, last one off. 
So, I, you know, it's not to say, oh, people who drink are bad. I just don't need it, really. I found. Yeah. I don't need it. So the reason I asked you that is because I quit drinking as well. Um, last drink I had was my birthday four months ago, back in January. So now we're in May. And it's really, it's, it's interesting that as I left corporate and all of this stuff that I started waking up to and studying. And it's the reason is because, as you said, you don't feel awkward. I'd be on a dance floor. I'd be out to parties drinking my water here or whatever, um, purely because I've learned, to, and I'm working on this more and more, obviously everyone's on a journey, but to generate state from within yourself rather than external factors that take you like, to a lower consciousness level where you're just in coping mode. You're not in like thriving mode. When you're out or when you're in social settings, you're there to generate value, pump everyone's state, give, give out energy. You're not, in, you're not in sort of taking mode, you're in giving mode. And I feel like, just, I could go into so many other reasons, but obviously I don't judge any, a lot of people around me still drink alcohol, brilliant. I still go out with them. Um, I'll be drinking my water or green tea or kombucha or whatever. But generally speaking, it's just, um, I completely resonate with that. And it's just like, people ask me, there's like, everyone's it's all about self-awareness me personally i'd have like a drink or two and I'd, next day you just don't feel right it takes away that sharpness people are like what's wrong with drinking like and i'm right and i'm i'm just like what's right with it um do you know what i mean it's just like yeah for you it might work for me it just doesn't it's interesting because i literally only drink water so water and protein shake so when i go to meet people oh you want a coffee you want this no no, no. are you sure no no are you sure and i'm like no and like what i'm like I literally just drink water and milk and protein. Like what, what else is there to drink? And it's kind of interesting that I've not met one person or I've met maybe one or two who haven't been shocked at that or like, oh, that's unusual. Even my mum asks me sometimes, I'm like, mum, you've raised me for 25 years. You know, I've never drunk here. So it's like so ingrained in society, isn't it? To have like tea to get you up in the morning. Like, no, my life gets me up in the morning. The sun does the energy, right? And like you said, that inner state that society kind of, I guess, pushes away from us to sell things, right? That's what it's about. Pretty much. Someone's making money off it. There you go. Um, so cool, let's touch on, I wanna get your thoughts on, I, t I spoke earlier about ego, um, and I know that you're a big fan of, well, you're an avid, re I know you're an avid reader, you've read a lot of Ryan Holiday's work, yeah. Stoicism. So I've actually, I've literally just picked up his books. I saw your post on Instagram. I'm, I'm not as well versed on his, probably topics as you are, and I'd love to get your thoughts, but a lot of it, obviously, his studies are on ego, um, and I'm a huge Eckhart Tolle fanboy, The Power of Now. Small plug, I've got a self-help video, which is just over 20 minutes long, if anyone wants to fall asleep, um, discussing ego, societal conditioning, and a lot of present stuff uh, coming up pretty soon on YouTube, but a lot of my like learnings are from Eckhart Tolle's work, but I wanna get your thoughts on just generally um, ego, because you've made a few interesting posts on it. And I was like, I, I, I completely hear that. Yeah. And stoicism as well. I think stoicism is one that sometimes I struggle to explain. And then I think, but does that mean I don't understand it properly? I don't think that's the case. I think it's simply complex. I think at the base level, we can, to make it really, really modern, it's living your best life, to put it really millennial. Because what it is, is it basically says, Everything, you know, nothing, it's not what Shakespeare said, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. He basically copied like Epictetus, who said it hundreds of years before, right? Everyone thinks Shakespeare said it. But what he's saying is that nothing in this world has any sentiment. We create the sentiment. So this table, it looks nice on the top, but the edge is a bit rough. Mm, my sentiment's like, oh, it's going to hurt me. Or, oh, this mic's really good. Mm, sentiment is expensive. But actually, 
there is no sentiment, you know? Like me meeting you, you saying to me, oh, Ted, oh, I don't like your shoes, mate. <laughs> like, I don't need to care. I don't need to take any sentiment from that, right? If, for example, property, you offer on 100, you get two. Oh my God, 98 of the people hate me. No, there's no sentiment. It's a physical act, right? So I think that's the first thing is that everything, like you said, comes from within. So we have a decision every single day, every single minute that we say, okay, am I going to attach sentiment to this? Or am I going to say, it's part of life. Let it flow by, right? Let it, let it be normal. Um, and that doesn't mean to say be stone cold and, and not have any emotions or love or relationships, but it means when it comes to things that are, shall we say, adverse, mm-hmm. like deal with them stoically, right? Like, okay, I've had to sell two of my properties because the mortgage is defaulting. You shouldn't be sitting there crying. You should be like, cool, fine. I'm alive. What's next? How do I fix this? What are the next steps? And I think stoicism has so many like practices or quotes that come from it. Um, and I'm reading this book at the moment. I know we'll get to that called The Daily Stoic. So every day it's got one sort of stoic quote and Ryan Holiday comments on it. So every morning I say this, every morning I should be reading it. And it kind of makes you think about the world. And when it comes to ego and his book, Ego is the Enemy, I think it's super important because I believe everything in this world comes from ego. Why is there gender inequality? Men's egos. Why do we fight over oil? Men's egos. Why do we want to be rich? It's all ego, right? So I believe that when you don't have an ego, when you have confidence and self-belief, but you don't have the ego, which is kind of an aggressive, aggressive, dominating thing, like life's better, right? Someone cuts you up in traffic, you just say, cool, carry on. You're much happier. Yeah. If someone, you know, is like standing and pushing in front of the line of you, don't be a typical, mm, just let it be, let it flow, right? And when you remove ego, like I, for example, have lost clients before in recruitment because I was like, you know, you haven't paid me on time, which in my opinion, they deserve my ego for that. Yeah. But by saying that, I lost a client that could have made me X thousands of you know, more money. And now when I handle situations, I'm like, Step back, give your, like, I think a top tip for everyone listening is take a deep breath and count to five or seven because that time actually, I think scientifically, I could be wrong here, detaches your like reflex system and then engages your human, your mind to then reply. So someone annoys you, take a deep breath, then reply. And I guarantee your response will be different, right? Yep. And that's the absence of ego. To summarize a very complex thing there, which I may have missed parts of. The bit where you said you take a step back or you're talking about like, example in traffic there is like i used to be that guy back in the day driving along someone cuts me off or something and you're just hitting the horn or something um these days it's just i look around me it's just like i go to a restaurant let's say with someone and this is a recent example and they're like oh it'll be two minutes till we get your table ready and the person i'm with is just freaking out it's just like oh my god how, how why is the table not ready just and i'm just like people like that or people like what you're talking about bugging out in traffic would it not be better if, because like end of the day, I'm, I'm going to get a bit deep here. End of the day, it's just like our time here is when you look at like the wider, from a wider lens, like essentially one day, I don't know, the world's probably going to end, who knows. And in terms of like the magnitude of the Earth's um, sort of time span, our time here is literally just like a flash second. It's like if you live 80 years out of like, millions of billions or however many years the earth is around that's just like you're, we're just all irrelevant completely we're all irrelevant to be fair all atoms really but genuinely it's just like it just goes like that 
all of this nonsense, like BS stuff, it's just all made up in your head. Um, and it's like, wouldn't it be a lot better to just operate in like a, a lot of, again, you've got to generate this, you've got to work on yourself to be able to generate this from within yourself, but an abundance mindset. Yeah. If, if someone's like cutting you off, rather than, you've got a limited amount of energy every day, rather than using some of that energy, it's like an iPhone battery, rather than using some of that up or accelerating the drainage of that, wouldn't it be better if like the opportunity cost, what else, you shift that energy elsewhere? like towards your business, towards your health, wealth, relationships, your high purpose, whatever it may be. So, and that, a lot of it ties back with ego, which is the stuff that I've learned from Eckhart Tolle, which is very similar to what you're saying you've learned from Ryan Holiday. I think, you know, it is, it is very, very difficult to get to that stage. And I'm still struggling, you know, like if I'm hungry, hungry, angry, for anyone involved, listen, that table better be ready. Cause I'm not waiting. Like, my stomach is killing me. I'm, I'm hungry, like get out of my way. But I'm working on that and I'm definitely a lot better. Like a year ago, I'd have been sitting there moody, but now I'm just like, mm, okay, I'm waiting for the table. But it's the small changes, which like you said, reduce your energy and allow you to focus on bigger things. And if people say, oh, I work a nine to five, how am I supposed to go home and hustle? What are you doing from, you know, five to 12? Your Netflix, oh good, is that helping? No. So what they should do is if they had less ego and less energy spent, like you're saying on other irrelevant stuff, as soon as you get home, You've got all this energy that you're waiting to use up. Put it on your passion. Yeah, because I know it, it is being in corporate. It's not easy. It's not about the hours. Even if it's nine to five, yes, it's only eight hours where realistically people are only working two hours out of that eight hours because by the time you go on your lunch break, you have 10 pointless meetings, which could be done in two minutes. Um, you surf the net, you gossip, you reply to BS emails that you, they're not really priority, but you kind of have to reply to them because someone from down the office is going to come and be like, have you replied to that yet? Hurry up. Just basically all, all of that stuff. But generally you're working to, I know it's mentally draining. It may not be long hours, but again, you have limited energy every day and it's draining. I know it's not easy to leave corporate. Um, but again, like what are you doing from your, even if it's six to 9 PM, those three hours, let, let's forget five to 12, six to nine, those three hours drinking. Again, I'd, I'd walk past bars in the city after work every day. Everyone's drinking. I'm like, Anyway, let's, let's not get into that. It's like people are drinking, watching Netflix. Just do nothing. Nothing that would get them nothing. to their higher purpose. Like how, how fucking long do you think we're going to live? How long do you think you're alive for? Um, and it's like, it just goes by like that, like a flash. Like I'm, before the podcast, we're talking about, uh, you're like, oh, how old are you? And I was like 27. I've, I've aged about 50 years because of four years in banking. But it's like now I look around, I'm like, shit, 30 is approaching fast. And when people are like, why don't you drink? Because I'm like, I can't afford to. Like, why are you not coming out? I can't afford to. Um, like, I, I need to focus on, on myself and like business. I'm trying to build this platform, which is my passion. So I completely resonate with what you're saying, mate. Absolutely. And I think, you know what? I don't mind those people. But when they complain about, oh, I hate my job. I can't. Then I'm like, really? I, I literally, sometimes with some people, I'm just blunt. I'm like, well, here's what you can do to get out of it. Do you want it? No, it sounds like hard well, carry on then. Carry on if you don't. And, but other than that, dude, someone's, you know, the earth's got to rotate one way or another. But yeah, when they complain, then I'm just like, oh. That's it. It's, it's solely the complaining. Because I'm, I'm pumped for people. I'm actually envious of people who are happy with nine to five on 30 Because it's so much easier. I would love to do that. I, I wish my mindset was like that. Nine to five, 30K a year. Spend time in the evenings doing with your friends, doing what you want, happy hour. But my mind doesn't function like that. My mind is like, I've, I've stood around people in happy hour and I'm just like, what the hell are these people discussing? Why is it so boring? It's just like, um, 
They're just drinking for the sake of it to put, put away the misery. But anyway, tell us a bit about your current ventures and all the things you're working on. When I scratch the surface, obviously, or people go on social media, they can see what you're working on. Sure. So what am I doing? So basics, I'm 90% in property or I'm 90% entrepreneur. No, I'm 100% entrepreneur, 90% property and other associated ventures. Mm -hmm. 10% is still recruitment. I'm still doing my like recruiting recruiters in Bristol uh, because it pays the bills and it pays, you know, for anyone who does property, it pays more than a rent to rent, pays more than an essay. And I can do it from my underwear in my bed. So, I mean, but I've just, I've worked through years to get to that point. So just so everyone knows, it's not like a overnight thing. Um, I'm buying property in, in South Wales in the Valleys. So I'm perfecting my Welsh accent. So I've got one there at the moment. I, I want four more. So I just need to find the right deals. That takes up. So I'm go, I go to Wales two days a week. I'm going tomorrow to go to a networking event and then to do some viewings. And then the week after I'll, I'll basically go every week. Um, so that is my, I guess, sort of main path that I'm following and then on the side of it I have the podcast which is Tej Talks and that is essentially so when I first got into property the people who were teaching me were and I'm not ageist but they were a lot older a lot more experienced they'd done it when it was 120% mortgages same day refinance I mean that's like a dream to us right ridiculous now we've got to wait six months even then we probably don't even get the valuation and I thought okay so I can learn life from you just about but you can't teach me property because you've been there, done that. I want people in the now like you and I, right? So I said, all right, let me do a podcast. Uh, I kind of had one before called Tej Talks Diversity, which I stopped. And then I got, basically the podcast is real people, real stories right now. So people dealing with Brexit, dealing with undervaluations, dealing with subsidence in Wales, dealing with whatever. And so I speak to them, it's about an hour long, every week I do two, one with me just nattering on solo, and then one as an interview. And I believe it's added a lot of value so far. I think the people who message me and get in touch are always like, dude, you know, we loved this person on your podcast. We love their story. It really helped my journey. So that takes up a little bit of time every week. So you have got property, we've got podcasts. I help people with their brands. I think something that people get confused with is kind of marketing and branding. And it is all one big sphere. But how I see it is branding is this it's who you are it's how you dress it's how you look it's how you come across how your instagram looks you know how you speak how you write copy marketing is in how you then push that to people and they coincide of course because if you have a brand you want it to be marketed right so i help people with the brand aspect which is you know okay you want to do videos you want to launch so one of my friends is launching like a gp service he said ted i don't know what i'm doing you know with this whole branding social media stuff can you help me i said yeah cool this is what you need to do. This is how often you need to post. These are the colors you should look for. So it's all helping someone, I guess, put their personality on a t-shirt, to put it really simply, right? To, to put it out there. I think that's all I'm doing. I write blogs. I copyright for people. So, you know, writing their website content, brochures, whatever. I do all my social media myself in terms of designs, posting, everything. I think that's everything. I feel like, yeah, we'll get to the future when we, when we speak about it. But I think that's everything I'm doing. Is that it? I do trade. I trade FX and indices on occasion. Nice. I used to do that a lot, but then I had to stop because of time. And now I'm slowly getting back into it. Oh, I like cheese. But yeah, on, on the property, I won't, I won't touch too much on property, but obviously it is a segment of the show. I'm, I, everyone knows my business um, that I focus on is property. This platform is obviously self-help. It's just a passion project, but property is my main business as well. And 
people in corporate, again, it's, it's just lack of education, really. They don't know that you can make money without using much of or any of your own money in property these days. Yes, it's not what it was maybe 10, 20 years ago, but it's still there. The opportunity is there as long as you just educate yourself, you go to all the events, you just essentially soak yourself like a sponge, which is what, what I say I do all the time. Well, I look like SpongeBob anyway, so I'm kind of halfway there. Tell us about, just briefly, uh, a lot of the newbies or people that sometimes reach out, how, how do you invest in property? Your current strategy, and I know that you recently completed on a purchase, so congrats on that as well. And a bit of elaboration on how, like your current strategy um, and how people can invest. Oh, so there's, there's loads of ways to invest in property. So you do something called rent to rent, which is you essentially rent a property off a landlord, pay them a guaranteed rent, you then make it into a HMO or a Airbnb service accommodation. You then take the margin, happy days, right? Landlord knows you take the margin, but they're happy with the guaranteed rent, right? So that is probably the easiest way for people to get involved. And I think the easiest way is to not go on a course, it's to read some books in property specific. And I can tell you them for the show notes because there's, there's like quite a few. Uh, to listen to podcasts, uh, to listen to audiobooks, to actually just, like you said, soak it all up, go to the events and speak to someone like you because I'm sure someone reached out to you and said, hey, Cyrus, can you, like, I don't, I'm not really sure about this rent to rent thing. Can you give me, you know, give me some time? You'd meet them. Yeah. I mean, I met a guy today for breakfast yeah. and I helped him with his social media branding just for free breakfast. Yeah. So people are friendly, right? People have reached out to me. I've already helped a few people. I even had offers people to pay, for like people to pay me and I'm like, yeah, the, the, in this yeah. day and age, it's just like, Everyone and their auntie is doing this um, mastermind course or get rich quick schemes. I was like, look, genuinely, as much as time is super limited because I'm do, trying to do so many things at once, I just purely do it from like a value giving um, paradigm, really. I'm just here to help. And it's just that makes me feel content. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, like you, like many others, people will help you. So for me, that's the first thing. Build a network that... You don't need to pay a course to tell you all this stuff. You'll just learn it, right? Facebook, again, so useful for learning and networking. People say, oh, LinkedIn. But actually, property, Facebook is huge, right? There's so many groups. I've realized that recently, yeah. yeah. It's, I didn't, you know, didn't know this till I sort of, I was like, oh, okay. Because recruiters, all on LinkedIn, right? So that's probably the easiest way. And the easiest way to get cash flow coming in quicker. When I say easiest, that still means it's very difficult for everyone listening. But it's the easiest of, of many ways. Uh, you know, the, the traditional way is to buy and to invest in a property. So 25% you need as a minimum for the deposit, whether it's a bridge or a mortgage or, or whatever sort of finance to be able to buy a house. So I don't know how much houses cost around here in North London, but I'm guessing it starts with a 400,000 something. So you need 25% of that if you're going to invest in London. I'm not going to do the maths, but that's like a hundred grand, right? Pretty much. That's, that's a lot of money. Um, with a hundred grand, you can go up north, you can go to Wales. And I'm telling you, if you had a hundred grand in Wales, you could buy eight houses today with a mortgage, which would cash flow more than here. And you're de-risking your whole portfolio, right? So I think for people, you have to start with the end, which is the why. What do you want? Do you want cash flow? Do you just want something to retire into because you love your job? Start with the why and then get a figure from that. How much do I need a month or in chunks? Break that down so then, okay, how many properties a year? Okay, how many a month? How many a... And then you go from your why and your goal to what I need to do every single day to achieve that. So before anyone listens to strategies or, oh, let me do rent, let me do this, define that. Because people come to me, oh, Ted, I want five grand a month. I say, okay, so that's 5.5 HMOs in the north. That's maybe a small block of flats. Maybe it's like, I don't know, 15 buy-to-lets in Wales. 
you know, what do you want? They're like, I just want 5k a month. But so work it out going backwards, right? So I think that's as much as I can conclude on property, right? That, that kind of thing is going to help the most. About my deal in Wales. So the house I'm buying, it's for £50,000, which is like ludicrous because that's what your deposit would be around yeah. here. You can actually get houses for that price, people, if you leave London, but yeah. Yeah, if you leave <laughs> London a little bit, all the sheep are. And then you've got, actually, my first house was up for £18,000. Wow. Yeah, had a huge subsidence. The floors were like this, you know, it, it was a mess. Yeah, yeah. But if you were a structural engineer or a builder, that is a gold mine property. But I'm not getting involved with that. So boy, 50 grand, 5K refurb, bit of damp, bit of changing, a bit of magnolia. But it's a gorgeous, big house, new laminate, newly painted. Uh, and then it's going to revalue at 80 to 85 looking at comparables. So I'm leaving in zero or I'm leaving in three or four grand. And I will net conservatively about 240 pounds a month. Um, so my return on cash left in is either sort of unlimited or 50% plus. For anyone listening who's not in property, you got to think the bank's giving you what, 0.8? Ooh, I just got 50. And yes, I've been stressed. Yes, you know, it's not been easy, but I've got an asset that is going to go up in value slightly. And it took 25% of 50 grand, which I believe was 12 and a half of my own money to get involved in. And I didn't need that because you can find 12 and a half grand. I won't say the sources, but you know where you can find that kind of money from, family, friends, whatever. So it's a great deal. And I think anyone who wants to get into property, educate yourself first, not necessarily through courses, educate yourself first, network, meet people like us, listen to my podcast, I have to plug it there. Um, but just remember, London, if you live here, you can do rent to rent an essay. If you're going to buy, personally, I would say, yeah, go elsewhere. Two hour journey, three hour journey is fine. It's worth it in the end. I hope that concludes it because there's so much I could say. So I'm trying to compress it into something useful. As someone in property, um, I think it's very well put because when I initially got in, um, I'm very fortunate. My business partner, I, I was about to pay a few grand for one of these courses. And he said, no, um, what we're going to do is, one, get a mentor. Um, so for those who don't know, Jonathan Yanu, who's pretty, pretty well known, one of the pretty previous mastermind top performers, um, he's our mentor. So my business partner said, we need a mentor purely because you learn from someone's past mistakes to save you the time. So get a mentor and then just events, networking, books, 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 podcasts, 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 plug, plug, plug. Um, and really just there's no need to pay a few grand. And then it's more of it is about, yes, you take a few weeks in intense or a little bit of time to soak in the knowledge. After that, you just need to take the action because there's only so much information you can read and you won't really learn until you execute. And people say... You know, I mean, it only takes like your deal that you gave the example of just a few of those to completely replace a average UK salary. And I know a lot of people doing it on the side of their intense corporate jobs. I know people doing it from abroad yeah. who occasionally fly back to the UK and do this. A lot of books to explain how authors who explain how you can systemize the business and longer term. It's, it, it's a beautiful process. Um, it's a lot of hard work to get to that sort of stage if that is your goal. Um, but e even the whole sitting back and watching the so-called passive income. I find that boring anyway, but everyone's got their own goals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of strategies, I call it the shiny pennies. There is, when you get into it, there are so many, every week I was trying to chase a different strategy for the first few weeks. And it's like, right, what are your five-year goals, three-year goals, one-year goal, reverse engineer monthly for the next, for example, six months, you need to pump the business with cash flow. Um, yes, you might have properties of your own. You might not have properties of your own. How are we gonna get cash flow immediately? 
So rent to rent, as you explained, which is what um, currently me and my business partner focus on. Another word for rent to rent is commercial leases. So we, we essentially we lease a building or HMO property for five years, um, put a bit of our own branding and twist into the property and design. And then you obviously for five years, we take control of the building and let it out. Um, and then, of course, on the side of that, we do sort of mini mini mos as they call it, mini HMOs and flips. Longer term plan, hopefully, to expand that, um, as I'm sure you're going to expand your your portfolio as well. Hopefully, commercial to resi conversion. So many opportunities out there. Um, that hopefully, we'll be sitting across again in the future. We'll be like, yeah, that's what we're both working on, or whatnot. But there's so many opportunities out there. It's just really soaking in the knowledge and meeting the right people. Um, one thing I've noticed about property as well. Almost everyone I've ever reached out to in property is always willing to meet up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's coffee, phone call, Skype call, whatever. It's not like other industries where they just like completely ignore your, do you know what I mean? It's crazy. When I first got into it, I was like, oh my God, why is everyone so friendly? Why is everyone being nice? I came from recruitment and kind of trading myself. And two things to quickly add to the end of that. I think the shiny penny thing is, is common. But what I do is I kind of say, have a toolkit, like a toolkit belt, right? As old school as that is. And have all these strategies sitting on them. So when I walk into a house, I'm like, okay, well, this is obviously a buy to let at, you know, worst case. Could it be a flip? Uh, maybe. Oh, we're near the seaside. Could it be an SA? Oh, are we near some employers? University? Could this be HMO? So I kind of, could it be a lease option? Could it be whatever? So I kind of say, look, have a toolkit, get in the property, see it. Every property is different and could be X many things. Then pick the tool that fits the right job, right? And then secondly... I have a network now of people that any strategy I need, pretty much, if I have a question, complex, simple, whatever, I can message them. And in, I'll say hours, to keep it conservative, I'll get an answer. Or I'll get an introduction to someone else who knows it, because we're friends. And like, I think for people, when you network, like get closer to, you will naturally, right, make friends. But don't feel like, oh, we're business networks, we're colleagues. No, no, make friends naturally. You know, I have in the Midlands, all my friends like in the Midlands. So people always say, oh, don't you live in Birmingham? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm here. And they're like, you're always there. And I'm like, yeah, all my friends are there. It's weird. And then I'm, I have like, I don't know, 20, 30 of them. And I keep saying to them individually, you should meet this person. You should meet this person. So I said, forget it. Thursday, we're going to have dinner. I just wanted to eat. I'm going to be honest. Like, y'all can just network. And I said, everyone come to it. They all came and they all finally got to meet each other and network and do business, which was great to see. Because I'm like, we're actually all friends here. But yet we would still work with each other and we'd still do business. And I think... I thought as an entrepreneur, I would never, I thought I'd be lonely because I've used to it in recruitment. But now I'm like, my God, I have all these friends. Like we're actually, like we'll WhatsApp each other about whatever. And I think for everyone listening, when you start out, you really do think sometimes, like I'm sitting at home alone. Who's going to be my, like, how am I going to make friends? But if you're a decent person, which I think I am, you know, you, you just make friends. So those are two little points to add on to property and business in general, right? Yeah, it's just don't, don't be an arsehole, which is... It's pretty easy, I think. Not everyone, but most people are in the corporate world. But um, not uh, some beautiful, lovely people in the corporate world. But some people go back to the whole ego and they're just not very, but anyway. But yeah, just be nice. Just be nice. Just be kind. Kindness and love go a long way. Kindness wins, always. So let's talk a little bit about your branding expertise um, and social media because I know that your growth has been exponential. Um, the other day, congratulations, you... You announced that you obviously, I saw the charts, you were iTunes top 15 podcast. I, I know when I spot someone who understands branding or social media, I, I know that I'm just like, you really get it. And what's that growth been like? Because a lot of people, they, they want to know how they can scale their business through social media or digital online presence, but they lack the knowledge. And again, I know that 
similar to probably even worse than property. There's so many get rich quick. Like people are like, buy my social media course for five grand and you will be in a private jet like me. And it's like, how did you, forgetting all of that stuff, how did you learn your expertise in branding? And what are some just off the cuff top tips that you can give for small business owners or anyone just trying to scale their personal brand online? Great question. So um, where do I start? So how did I avoid the courses, I guess, and do it myself? I just did it myself. I'm Indian, so I'm cheap, naturally. No offense to my, my family out there. But I was like, I'm not paying for these courses. Like, it's, it's I'm, I grew up with this, right? Like, I'm, I'm 25. Like, I can, use a, I can use Instagram, right? And the internet has so many free tips that, yes, you're going to have to put effort into finding them and blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying don't pay for a course or someone good. But I just read lots online. I just put my personality into my phone, into the paper, into my copy, which I've always done. Working in recruitment is quite stuffy and, you know, kind of corporate, right? Everyone's like, oh, I've got a job looking for this person. <laughs> Who cares what you want? Like, <laughs> I'm a job seeker. What do I want? Yeah. So I kind of learned from that that everyone's really boring. I'm just going to show myself and who I am and hopefully it's not boring. So I guess recruitment blessed me with the kind of uh, vision to be like, I'm going to do something different, which I then bring into every business I start. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the top 15 thing was incredible. I don't check it because iTunes is so secretive about how you yeah. chart. So I was in front of Andy Frisella. I don't know if anyone listens to him, MF CEO. He's a badass. I'm not in front of him. I'm not better than him. And yet I was like there and I was 10 places from Gary Vee. And now I look at it, I'm like 40th. I look at it in a week, I'll be like 30th. Not I'll be, great. yeah. So it, it was a great feeling. And I kind of thought, <clears throat> okay, I can, I can celebrate this. I've actually done something good. I think, you know what? Branding, it can be difficult, especially if you've not grown up with like sharing your life on social media, which I actually hadn't, I, I didn't really post much. I've kind of had to learn it. Um, I think the, the first thing in terms of tip is be authentic. You have to be yourself. Like, you know, when I do an Instagram of this, I'm going to show everyone what's behind us, right? Because it's important for everyone to see that, you know, below the iceberg, right? What goes into making yeah, this look so good. Uh, and I think when you're posting stuff, you know, if you have a certain view on something or you think something's funny or something that's not offensive, like post about it. Like if you like cats, post about it. Like I love cheese, right? And I talk about it because I just love it. I'm all thinking about it. And and like people are like, oh, but I, you know, what do I talk about? What do I, I'm like literally be you, right? And and one thing that's really important is, and I guess the second tip is type how you speak. Now, if you use slang or, you know, you're not the best at grammar or you say you and me instead of you and I or whatever, Write like that because people don't want to read corporate jargon and all yeah. these things. They want to they want to hear you. So now I've met you and heard your voice properly and after the videos, when I read your your funny captures on Instagram, <laughs> I'm hearing your voice, right? Yeah, yeah. And so communicate how you are as a person. The third one, and this applies to everything in life, is be consistent. Like you you can post once a month on Facebook, once a week, and you can still get investors. You can still don't get me wrong. But the more you post, the more you warm people up to who you are. Like I went to a networking event in Birmingham. I wore this naturally, uh, only t-shirt I have. And then people were like, oh, there he is. And then, oh, hi, Tej, nice. I've just listened to your podcast. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm on your, my face is on your phone. Like, it's so weird to think of that. But it's because I'm consistently in people's faces that they're always like, oh, I saw you come on this, saw you on that. So when I meet some people, they tell me things about me that I forget that I say on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, you, you know me, even though we just met. And so it warms people up, right? So for anyone who's like, oh, how often should I post? Once a day on most platforms. I like to do, I guess, nat well, not naturally, but sometimes I do impact posts. So if I put a post up, like completing on the house, got hundreds of likes on one of the pages, 
I won't post for a few days, mainly because I'm busy, but more because I'm like, you know what, that post is there sustaining me posting. Let's keep the focus on that. Sure. And that's that's come of not me consciously thinking that, but me being like, I'm busy. Ah, but I've got a, a, an impact post out there. We're good. I don't need to post. I'm, I'm, I can be lazy today. Uh, I think those are probably my the most of my tips. You know, there's there's so, so many tips. And if you go on my website, tech-talks.com, you'll find all the tips in little ebooks. You can download them. Uh, but yeah, be consistent, get started. Logo and colors are, are not everything, but they are important. Yeah, they're very important. You want people to remember you for yeah. something, right? Whether it's a necklace, whether it's a hairstyle, whether it's, I don't know, red socks, whatever. You want someone to, you want to be memorable, right? Because out of 100 property investors, why is someone going to kind of pick you or be interested in you? Someone, and, and to conclude, there was a picture of me at a networking event. Everyone had blazers on, as adults do, right? And I'm, I'm the typical millennial startup dude, like in my t-shirt, bright yellow. And he said, I really love how you're in a t-shirt in a bunch of suits. And I was like, oh yeah. I don't realize because I just don't even, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, hi everyone, you're all in ties and I'm, okay, I'm wearing trainers with this t-shirt. I, I was just shaking my head when you said that you're in a room full of suits and you're the, you're the <laughs> only one because I've said this on, it's put on my Instagram, like a 60 second clip from one of the, I think it was episode one where I'm talking to my business partner on the podcast episode about um, like societal conditioning, uh, perception, formalities, just man-made BS, which like, for example, in the corporate world, it's like suits, it's just a front. Um, I won't say it again, I've said it before, but Peter Thiel, he said, suits are the bullshit uniform. It's just a front, like, um, end of the day, authenticity goes a long, long way. Um, a lot of people trying to front. What I've actually learned in the last few months, so many of these people, whatever field they're in on social media, 99% of people who are actually very, seem come across very successful, um, are actually full of, shit uh they it's just genuinely most of social media is a front the more and more you get into it and you just meet different people from different walks of life so like for example one i, I know through my network um through a mutual friend a very big vegan influencer on instagram but this vegan influencer consumes meat behind the scenes so <laughs> wow j just one example expose um just one example but there are so many others that i could give of it's just, it's just a front. Just be yourself. I love that. That's so just, funny. Just genuinely be yourself. Um, and I love it that you go into a room, you don't rock a suit. Blazers don't fit me. Yeah. I've got a weird body. <laughs> like, why then? It's not, it's just, dude, I've, I've never owned a blazer in 25 years that fits me perfectly. Or fits me at all, really. But yeah, man. Um, I completely resonate with that. It's just be yourself. And then as Gary Vee, again, I'm a Gary Vee fanboy, as he says, um, with your posts and consistency, don't don't sort of try and create the perfect piece of content. Just document. Document that, dude. That is document your journey. Like whatever's going on. Like I documented, I'm having cash flow issues, startup, and it's just like two weeks later, uh, signed a contract, but still got cash flow issues. Let's go for the next one. It's just like you're just documenting your your journey, just being authentic. So completely agree, man. And I know that um, aside from all the millions of amazing things that you do at once, you also do public speaking. And before we got onto the podcast, we were talking about my Toastmasters journey, which I've been on maybe about just over four years. I've been doing public speaking behind the scenes, trying to improve myself. And I had to ask you about this because I know that you're an amazing public speaker. I've seen you do some great talks behind the scenes, but your plans are only just growing. I think public speaking is probably the most important skill as an entrepreneur, business owner and general social dynamics. 
Um, and a lot of it comes to people just like, I fear it. It's like, yeah, um, when I'm about to get up in front of a crowd, so do I. But when you get up, like that's what fuels me. It's not fear. Fear's, fear's just made up in your head. You're anxious because you're excited to share your ideas with everyone. So I wanted to get your perspective on like your top tips on like how you got better at public speaking and how you generally just prepare for when you got a talk coming up. Yeah, solid. Good question. Uh, so Toastmasters, I've been to one event and I haven't been back because of time and distance and I just haven't been here. It's something that as I have more time because I'm focused on property, we'll, we'll pick up. So for me, public speaking, you know, it's a good question. I've never consciously thought about where it came from. I think my first public real, real kind of talk was in front of what was it, 200 plus people about, about recruitment. It was five minutes. The slides change every 20 seconds or something. So you have to be on it, right? It was mainly GIFs or GIFs, like and funny stuff. And it, it wasn't like anything. There was no content on it. It was about working from home. There was no death by PowerPoint. There was no death by PowerPoint, which I loved. As I it should like, be, yeah. As it should be. So I, you know, I kind of did that. I got introduced by a friend to a friend as, you know, these things happen. I did that and loved it and was like, wow, people were engaged. And I was looking at their eyes and their, and their faces. And I thought, oh, this is quite good. When I prepare for public speaking events, I don't. Is, is I guess the answer. So what I do is if I have a PowerPoint, if I have stuff with content on, I'll make sure that's good. I'll look at it a couple of times. I'll sort of read through it a couple of times. I won't ever actually stand up and read it or even say to like my mom, oh, can you watch me? I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, so here's the thing. I want to know the knowledge. So if you tell me to do a public, you know, a speech on something, I'm not going to spend loads of time practicing the speech or the PowerPoint. I'm going to spend time researching the thing so if you tell me to speak about Japanese knotweed which I've learned a lot about recently I'm just gonna tell you about it right and for me I don't like preparing or having to read off a script or anything I like getting up on stage seeing what the crowd are like you know using my notes as such my powerpoint for like cues like a single line on a bullet point so I just keep a bit of flow I guess and control so I don't really prepare I spend honestly like 10 minutes preparing for a talk I'll get on stage and I'll just, and this is something that has developed. I'm not sure how, again, I'm not answering the question very well, but I kind of, I guess, have the confidence that I can make it up as I go along on stage and react to the audience. If they find a particular joke funny, I think in the back of my mind, my mind is digging up for a similar one while the front is presenting it. And then it's going to bring it around when it's time. Or if they liked a certain slide or certain way I, or analogy, if they're pet lovers and I use the dog analogy, oh, I'm going to keep using that or something. So for me, it's about being kind of reactive to the crowd while still being proactive in adding value, showing knowledge and being myself. And I think how I got better, I make a lot of videos, I guess. So maybe that helps. Helps a lot. Yeah, maybe that helps. Podcast, I mean, I guess when I'm sitting at home in my room, how much does it help? I guess it helps being more eloquent and clear. It's all social dynamics because you're... essentially going back and forth with another person and it's through you don't really realize it but it's through trial and error of oh this happened in the conversation I have to dial it back a bit or I have to pick it up a bit yes. or and a lot of it is from net- networking events because I know you're always networking um, you're always podcasting you're filming videos it all comes together like communication skills social dynamics some of the most important topics that I always touch on so yeah I think what you said there was also self-awareness right that whole thing of oh I shouldn't have said this, should have said that. And I think for me, I'm very critical and like I love feedback. I'm always like, give me feedback, give me feedback. And no one wants to give it. 
But, but yeah, and I'm like, guys, I, I want you to be negative. Like, give me some feedback. Yeah. yeah. So when I do it, I guess, again, another part of my mind is, is watching myself and tracking and saying, ah, oh, you did this, you did that. And I get off and I, and I do it. I think the fear aspect, oh, someone told me this rule. It's like a five second rule that someone wrote in a book. I think Elena Cardone wrote it, maybe the five second rule, something like that. And essentially before you do something, you know, before you want to do something, you count to five, then you just do it. And apparently that works. It pushes you somehow. So try that. Cause before I get on stage, I'm a tiny bit fearful, uh, but not really like I, as a podcast and video cast, I have a really dry throat. So I'm probably more fearful of, am I going to cough? Am I going to have to like awkwardly drink water? And I'm like, Oh, so I just love it. Like you said, it's that thrill of, it's like performing, right? It's like a bit of drama. It's a bit of kind of on being on stage. So yeah, I've got a talk coming up on the 5th of June in Crewe, which is somewhere up there in the North, I've been told. Uh, and I am talking at my friend's event called Connect Property Network. Two of my really good friends, Dan and Scott, have created a, a networking event, which I always say people should do instead of franchising, but that's a whole different argument. And I'm speaking about social media, branding, my property journey. I don't really know yet. I'm actually slightly nervous about this one because I really like them both. And I'm like, I really want this to be good. So I'm I'm kind of trying to balance my usual off-the-cuff, no preparation with, I want to add shit tons of value. And so I'm kind of like, okay, damn it, I need to put time aside to do this. So yeah, I'm really excited for that. And I haven't actively been asking for more gigs or pushing for more gigs. I've got a, like a paid one at the end of the year on someone's training course about social media. But I haven't been pushing it as much again because I just need property to, to take off. And then I'll be like, cool, now I'm retired. You know, Gucci shoes, Lamborghini, <laughs> as the course has told me, right? And then I'll do what I like, in essence. Yeah, so I've, I've had like a few small public speaking gigs as well. The reason, whether it's that, whether it's Toastmasters, wherever it is, even when I was back in corporate, I did a few big presentations. The reason I think I love it and you talk about loving it as well is because it goes all the way when we dial it back to the initial discussion on sort of ego, um, your inner state, because, and being kind really, I think it comes from a value giving paradigm because we enjoy adding value for others so much. That's why I think you, you enjoy public speaking maybe. I guess, I feel like I'm learning, I'm learning dude about me from here, I love it. <laughs> it probably is yeah, yeah you're right but yeah and then i know that obviously off the um, and you touched on the fear element so i'm a i, I love david goggins for anyone that doesn't follow him on instagram is, is his book good i've heard it's quite american so i'm just about to download it on audible okay you can let me know before i buy it purely because when you're in the gym and you're bench pressing his his voice might give you that extra rep but um fair enough my voice does not give people extra rep. <laughs> i think it's too calm but yeah, no, just, just through his like Instagram and obviously he's always posting all this motivational stuff, but that dude is hardcore and he talks about, um, I was listening to his podcast, I think with on impact theory or something like that. Yes. Um, and he talks about pushing outside of your comfort zone every single day. He does stuff that he completely hates that it makes him really uncomfortable. And I guess that's the only way you ever, if you fear public speaking, the only way you're going to get out, I mean, you don't fear it much. Um, I used to fear it a lot, a lot less now before a big talk, but once you're up there, I'm just in a flow state. But for people that are just, they absolutely hate it, they fear it, I think it goes deeper than that. It's actually once you tap into it, the things that you fear, the things that you love the most. So you need to just push yourself outside of your comfort zone. You do it more by practice, practice, do more talks. As I said, for me, Toastmasters was a great tool. Yeah. It's in a supporting, supportive community where everyone's there to improve their public speaking. It's a beautiful place to be. It is a really, all the friends I've seen go to it 
like one of them, I watched one of their videos the other day and I texted him and I was like, dude, I thought you were good before. Like, I don't think you had a huge shit, but like, wow, I've noticed a huge change. It's not expensive either. It's really not expensive for anyone who's kind of free as a guest as many times as you want, which is you get to do like a impromptu table topic speech. Yeah, that's the that's the one I struggle with. I always push myself to do it. I don't know enough. Like I don't watch enough TV or, or things. I just I'm like, oh, what do we talk about here? I, I do weird stuff. I don't watch all this stuff. So it's yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm even looking into once I get more time, once the property business scales, I won't even get into a bit of improv. Just purely, it goes back to social dynamics. A lot of this stuff is what will benefit us long term. Just keep pushing yourself that little bit every every day with things that you think you can improve on. But yeah, but Toastmasters, I think it's like eighty quid or ninety quid a year. And then you get, you get, a, they give you a mentor, you get to speak every session if you want with a prepared speech, you get to do impromptu speeches, amazing. I know that other than public speaking, you have been on stage for other reasons. You've danced banger in front of 4,500 people? Yes. So I, when did I, I went to America and I started this there. I was, so Bhangra is a Punjabi folk dance that comes from like Vasaki. We celebrate the the crop coming in the harvest, right? And essentially, it kind of came literally from the fields. Yeah, so yeah. our outfits, our everything is, is from the fields. It's a very happy dance. So for 10 minutes straight, you're smiling under strong stage lights and your body is dying. Your barefoot is on hard floor. You have to smile the whole time. If you drop it, the judges will see it. Wow. If you mess up and you show it, they will see it, right? So it's a very, very energetic dance. It hurts joints you didn't even know you had. Um, <laughs> it, just, it, like, it wears your bones, honestly, I'm telling yeah, yeah. you. It's very old school in that sense. So I did that in America. I was like the only Punjabi, which is where it's from, Punjab, in the team. And I was like, I love this because the whole of America has a really big Bangara circuit. And like, there's not necessarily that many Punjabis there. And I was like, this is amazing. Our culture is like everywhere. And not, not just you know, Asians do it in America. Any culture was within this team doing it. So I kind of did a little bit of dancing there, came back to the UK, auditioned, got in. Wasn't that good. My mum loves dancing, so I probably got it from her. Did a few competitions. I did one at the Hammersmith Apollo. I think that was a thousand, maybe a little bit more people. Did one in like Wolverhampton. Did them in, I think, Birmingham. And then we went to Wembley, the SSE Arena. And that was four and a half thousand people. And the thing is, right, you, I, when people say, oh, a hundred people, 200 people, I am not very good at understanding what a number of people looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's normal, right? But when you go on stage... And you can see like, you know, I don't know if you've been to SSE, but it's it's like a circular arena, like Beyonce plays there, right? Yeah. So me and Beyonce, we share the same stage, just so everyone knows, yeah? Um, you literally see people going up to the side in front of you. Yeah. And of course the lights distract from what you can really see. But again, I loved it. And I think with that, there's definitely more nerves because we spend two, three hours, five days a week, two or three months before I'm practicing. You have eight to 10 minutes on stage for all of that work to be right. There's no like, oh, that property fell through, I'll get another one. It's like, this is your time. The lights are on you, you're in you know, the amazing outfits, your culture, you're representing your history, right? And it's kind of like, oh damn. You know, because one mistake will be spotted. You can hide little things, but if everyone else is sick, which they were, some of them are from India, it would be, be very difficult. So I, yeah, I love that performance. You couldn't really see people's faces because it was like the way it was, but, when you get off stage, like I've known people to like physically collapse, to puke up, to like break their ankles. I'm not saying it's not dangerous, but it is so physically intense. You're smiling the driest mouth ever for 10 minutes of, I can't even compare it to anything in the gym. It's like hit and crosslifting and weightlifting and running a marathon at the same time. Like it is crazy. And you don't lose weight when you do it either, which is very weird. 
but I think you might not lose weight, but I think what you've explained is huge for training your mindset. Um, not only obviously, I think actually that that's probably fed partially into your public speaking as well and social dynamic skills. Um, but more importantly, just generally, you know, what, what you just talked about, I think, um, just summarize it really well. It taps into ego as well that we touched on because you're, you're, when you're dancing on stage in front of thousands of people, you're essentially freeing yourself, you know, yeah. you're like, I don't care, I'm dancing. And you're not under the influence of any substances or anything like that. So beautiful. Freeing of the ego is like something bigger than you, like my culture, my country, my history. And when you have that, you're like, oh, I need to be good at this because it's not just about me. Thousands of people are watching and affected by it as such. And the thing you talk about, like collapsing, um, f keeping the smile on, that's mental toughness, which feeds into a lot of like entrepreneurship and stuff as well. Yeah, no, it is. Who knew Bangra? I know, I don't talk about it much because it's, it's been a while since I do. I do it at home for like cardio and stuff, yeah. but it honestly takes over your life. Yeah, yeah. And when everyone on the team like here is Indian and everyone's on Indian timing every single day, you're like, why am I here till midnight? Can we all just be here on time? And we're like, oh, no, nah, none of us want to be on time. It's so, so annoying. But for anyone who like, you know, kind of wants something that helps them with life is exercise, isn't it? It's moving, it's endorphins, it's moving through space, mobility, doing something, a team sport that, like you said, brings mental toughness into life. So do it if you have the chance. And then just before we start to wrap up, um, I always have at the end of the podcast some quick fire questions for our guests. Oh. So <laughs> first one is, do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it? Uh, no, I used to have an after work routine because I got home at seven for my contract and I'd have one then. I'm trying to create one. What I want it to be is get up, a little bit of exercise. I'm still going to the gym, so a little bit, 10 seconds, 10 seconds. It's just a warm up, yep. quick stretch, uh, learn Spanish for 15 minutes, uh, and then read the Daily Stoic for two minutes. And then I have a, a gratitude jar thing where I write through things I'm grateful for, put it in there. And then I have, I think that's, every, that's everything. So I'm trying to put that in the morning, but I might split some into the afternoon. I've, I started a few months ago, the whole gratitude journaling amongst journaling other things as well. Um, impact is profound, like it's amazing. People don't understand. They think it's a bit cheesy and cringy when you first mention it. And recently that people have been bashing this stuff as well online on LinkedIn, someone posted. And this post went viral on LinkedIn. They said, no one cares that you wake up at 5 a.m., do one hour of meditation, one hour of um, exercise, one hour of cold shower, well, not one hour, but what it like. They were, they were just taking the piss. Um, and it's like, no, it's, it's what works for you. And yeah, your morning routines sounds like it, it makes sense. It's what a lot of big entrepreneurs do. So resonate with that. Uh, apologies, there is some drilling noise in the background. We're, we're, we've got a budget studio. We're in a trap house. Basically. We're, we're in a trap house. <laughs> we've got a budget studio. So there's either hip hop flaring in the other room or there's builders. But it's all good. We'll carry on. Um, and then the other quick fire question, or this might take slightly longer, not quick fire for you, because I know you're an avid reader. I ask guests what their top five favorite books are because it feeds yeah. so much into the whole, just if, if you're not real, it pisses me off and frustrates me when I'm on the tube and I just see people reading the Metro, which is mainstream narrative BS brainwashing you with negative crap. People are just reading the Metro. They're playing games on their phone, Candy Crush, or whatever kids play these days, like grown people just playing games. It's like you could either be reading a book, you could be listening to Audible, so many things you could be doing. So yeah, that annoys me. But um, but I'm an, I'm an avid reader and I know you are too. So, so okay, top five books. This is a very difficult question. 
because there's so many. But there's also there's also so many I read that I'm like, mm, I wouldn't recommend. I mean, I literally would give three of them to Ryan Holiday, but I won't just to spread it. But now I've said that, you all know he's amazing. So that in no particular order, uh, the obstacle is the way by Ryan Holiday teaches you about Stoic principles and how you see the problem as the way through it and how you perceive things. And actually, it's a, that book changed me as a person without me thinking about it. I think he did it by purpose. I think every chapter he repeats very, very similar concepts. So once you've read it, it's already ingrained in you. And after that book, I just changed as a person. I became more, way more stoic. And I didn't, until I look back, I'm like, damn, that's a good book. So Obstacle is the way... I'm going to have to give the second one to him. Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Uh, again, it shows you what we said before about how your ego is going to get in the way and you need to get rid of it. Uh, not on the list, but just as an aside, he has a Daily Stoic, like I said before. Another really good one to read every single day. Um, what other books? I really like The Chimp Paradox. The Chimp Paradox? I think as like a basic intro book to emotional control before you read any of the stoicism stuff read this book because it allows you to personify your ego as a as a chimp as a monkey your human as a computer and then there's something in the middle i forgot what it was um it really because you know when people say oh like control your emotions don't get angry what is emotion what is anger it's sort of up, it's floating yeah. when you make it a chimp you can kind of personify and say back in the cage yeah. okay, chimp shouldn't be in cages but in your head that's fine um and you can kind of say you can personify things right it, it makes things a lot easier so there's a three. Uh, I, I, you know, I quite like how, I think it's How to Get Rich by Felix Dennis. He was an old eccentric uh, magazine publisher, millionaire, tycoon or billionaire even. His, this book is kind of slightly controversial because he's very much like, don't give your shares away in your company. It's a lonely road. It's going to be this. But that's the first book that got me thinking, okay, I need to like rethink how I'm doing business and how things should be structured and what people are like and things like that. So that's definitely a really good one. Uh, the fifth one is going to be two books. I'm really breaking the rules here. It's going to be Tim Ferriss, Timothy Ferriss, Tribes of, A Tribe of Mentors yeah. and uh, Tools of Titans. I haven't read Tools of Titans. I gave it to someone as a gift, but I've got it there sitting there. I've been reading Tribe of Mentors, but I know Tools of Titans is going to be incredible. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know, Tim Ferriss basically sends out questions to like, the world's famous, biggest, you know, high achievers, puts them all into a book and you can kind of skip ones you don't like and you like. And it's honestly like this thick, incredible book. And I've, I've only, well, I've nearly finished it. So it's quite a new edition. But within that, there's loads of good books that I've read. Uh, I can't think of any others. I haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I refuse to. <laughs> Everyone, I just refuse. Yeah? Yeah, have you read it? I have. It was one of the first ever, Tell ever, ever, ever Tell me the single books. biggest lesson you got from it. Single biggest lesson, um, which is echoed further by Rob Moore. Um, if you want to have fancy stuff, Lamborghinis, gold watches or whatever, you should have income generating assets that pay for those liabilities rather than go and pay for those liabilities like most people do out of your monthly paycheck. So get the assets first, get them to generate that monthly income and have that income pay for your liabilities. That's why I refuse to read it. Don't work for money, have your money work for you. These are all lessons, right? That. So here's the thing. I'm too late to Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's very, very, very base level. And that's why I say it's literally just, just over five years ago. It's like the first ever self-help nonfiction book I read. And then when I read that, it's just like, whoa. 
And then I just started reading loads of books after that and got really into self-help. Um, well, it's helped, then. But it's helped, and I'm super appreciative of Kiyosaki's work, so yeah. Fair enough. Um, do you believe in goal setting? Yes, I think you need to have a why and a goal and then break it down to, in order to achieve it. I'm, I, as a person, I'm a bit kind of flexible, loose, I don't know what the word is, but I still need a goal, whether it's a vision board, whether it's X many houses and X many time to get me somewhere, but I'm still loose with it because I, I say to myself, hey, you want this, but in four months you might have this and then think, so they're there to motivate me, but they're not necessarily what I'm going to achieve. In that case, do you have, not, not even goal setting, where do you see yourself or would you like to see yourself a year from now and 10 years from now? I think people sometimes say they overestimate what they can achieve in a year and underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years. But That's a, I like that time frame. That's making me think that is. Uh, first year, uh, so a year from now, I'm not I want, I'm going to be financially free from property with assets that I own. Rent to rent isn't for me. I tried it. It just wasn't for me. Financially free through properties I own, have a much bigger public speaking, branding, consulting sort of business, I guess. Uh, have a lot more followers on Instagram, have the podcast featured a lot more, get a lot more listeners to it, all that kind of nice stuff in a year. And I think it's all definitely possible. Uh, looking at what I've done so far and what I know I can do, it's definitely possible. You know, financial freedom is, is not a huge number necessarily. Uh, I think 10 years, so what am I, 35? Um... I think 10 years time, I would have launched, I love, love cooking, especially Italian food. So I would have gone to Italy, done my pilgrimage, which I do almost every year. I go to Italy twice um, and would have launched my Italian restaurant. And that would have been successful to some extent. I would have launched like a brand agency, so like an actual, you know, beanbags, everywhere, that sort of stuff in London, proper like company would have built it then, maybe sold it, maybe not. Uh, I would be retired in terms of my income, but not in terms of my mindset because I can't sit still, I need to do something. And I'll be happy and my family will be happy and I'll probably be married and have kids by then. That was scary. I need, I, need a, I need a puppy and a kitten and a tortoise first as practice, right? But um, yeah, and I think, I think what overarches all of this is, and I'm happy now, and I, I don't necessarily like when people say, I'll be happy if, I'll be happy when, it's I'm happy full stop, or I, I should be happy. So I'll be even happier then, I guess. Uh, I'll have financially opulence, not that I'm going to necessarily spend it, but I guess I'll have everything I have wanted now then. Essentially getting money out of the way or property out of the way so that you can fuel your wider ambitions, like having a restaurant in Italy or something, which I absolutely love. For me, property, yeah, it's beautiful and, I, and I'm going to scale the hell out of it next few years. Um, but everyone knows, yeah, I am passionate about property, but my ultimate passion is self-help, self-improvement, this platform, videos I put out, public speaking. So completely hear that. A lot of people, I think, get into it for the wrong reasons, just money-making, get-rich-quick scheme, and they've always got the pound signs in their eyes, and that's all they want to do for the rest of their life. They kind of get lost in the process. They burn out. You need to have like a pretty much like a mission behind it or a core purpose of why are you doing this? Okay, this is going to fuel the next thing, which is actually the real passion or something like that, um, and just financial security. So cool well where can people find you so if you type in Tej Talks into Google I hope I'm number one on the SEO maybe Tej Talks property you'll find me uh, Tej at bricksandmore.co it's just .co you know the cool millennial startup yeah. kind of email vibe it's the agents never get this they're like .co yeah. like, yes it's .co uh, Tej.talks on Instagram Tej Singh on Facebook and LinkedIn I think that's everything that's where I am yeah 
Cool. Well, pleasure to have you on, mate. Thanks for coming on. Um, hopefully, we'll be sitting here again in the future and we're talking about how much your all your different lines of all your ventures have scaled um, no, at, at the rate they have, but pro- better, even more exponentially. I hope so. Thank you for having me. Honestly, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I love being interviewed. So, yeah. I love this talk because there is a lot of mutual interest and I love the way that your mindset operates. So, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, yeah. So, as usual, guys, you'll be able to catch this on YouTube and video format. Um, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for audio streaming. Hit the likes, hit the comments. I love feedback. As Tej said, he, he does too. I'm always asking for it, but no one wants to give it. So please, any feedback, let me know in the comments. Uh, hit me up in the DMs. Hit the bell notification so you're notified on YouTube when we upload. And we'll catch you in the next one. So peace. Peace.